so I, I want to start off by asking a question before I get into the message uh, tonight, and then we will split up into just briefly into, into, into little groups. So Jesus, really just going to interpret for the first few minutes, and then I'm going to preach. Make sure Uncle Jorge knows that. He's not even, he's talking. He's talking. I will be preaching. He always wants to make sure I'm the one that signs and preaches. Yeah, he's, he's, I'm in trouble now. Um, this morning, yesterday morning, and this, we're, we're getting, we're compromising. Pray, pray for us, okay? We're compromising. When we first started conditioning week for our boys' basketball program four years ago, it was five days, 5 a.m., and we trained them hard. After four years now, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 6.30 a.m. for an hour and a half. Yeah, Eric, Eric knows those original days. And um, so these, these we, we've just gotten, Brother Justin, we're going to have to work on that coach next year. We're just going to have to go back to the original schedule. You know, I know coaches, we've been here early morning this week and, and uh, working these young men out for the basketball season coming up. And uh, without getting into a whole lot of detail, we had a lot of pukers yesterday morning. Okay. Uh, that's the Greek word for vomit, and so uh, spew thee out um, is a biblical phrase. Uh, this morning we only had one or two, so they got better in 24 hours, or I got softer, Coach, I don't know. But anyway, but it, Coach and I were talking the other day about our sports experiences. Coach Helton was a, was a fantastic baseball player, and he'll be modest. Him and Jack Hansen were like legit baseball players, and I – you know, when you play at the levels that some of these guys play at, I can listen to them talk, and I can tell by the words they say that they, they were legit. They're not like kids that just played in someone's backyard. And, of course, I was in a different sport. Football was my specialty and played college ball and played on all-star games, championships. You all know the story and all that. You ask yourself the question sometimes when you are running, like you did this morning, Isaac, sweating, why am I doing this, right? Why am I doing this? You ask yourself that question. I can remember many days – in the, in, the, in the heat, and Coach Hill and I were teasing each other. He goes, man, our coach used to make us practice two days, and I really didn't mean to one-up him. Our coach made us practice three times a day. All right, Kentucky's all, you know, everybody marries their cousins, and so Kentucky folk are all messed up. So, I mean, you know, what's that old joke they say? How can you tell you're Kentucky? You got, you see tobacco spit out of both sides of the truck, amen? But anyway, so uh, that's what, always one of the old jokes they say about Kentucky folk. You tell Hugh I said that, Nikki, all right? But but we're having a little fun there. But, you know, we practice 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., Monday through Saturday. All right? My coach was a Christian. We didn't have Sunday practice, thank God. Um, and it was brutal, very brutal. And I know many of you in the military uh, have that. I would never compare sports to the military, but you, you go to the boot camp, you do some things, you make some sacrifices, you do things, and sometimes you ask yourself why you're doing it. Well, I asked that question today of the average Christian in America. Why are you a Christian? What attracted you to Christianity? All right, now, if you were to ask my wife and I that tonight, we both would probably give you different answers. My wife was born into a very strong, devout Christian home. That's all she knew, right? I mean, you were taught that from the time you would crawl, and she's learning, and she got saved at a very young age. It's all she's ever known. What a blessing. And by the way, if you have a testimony where you say, I got saved in a Christian home, please never think that's a boring testimony. If you do live differently than the world, please never think that's boring. I, it boggles my mind how many Christian teenagers today really want to live in such a way that they get the world's approval. It boggles my mind. Why in the world would you want the world's approval on how you live? Why? Somebody answer me that question. I grew up lost and in the world for 18 years, 
and the world has nothing to offer. And then you get saved and you find out I get to live in a way that God approves me. Can I tell you something? I'd rather God approve the way I talk, live, you know, dress, everything. What I watch versus what the world does. But boy, our, our, and especially right now there's a lot of pressure on our teenage girls today to, to continually make sure you approve. The world is approving the way you live. Who cares what the world says? The world didn't die on the cross. Boy, it's quiet right now. Maybe I'd park on that for a while. The world didn't die on the cross for you. Jesus did. And we should, we should live up to a holier, higher standard that, that shows that we are different than the world. It's okay to be different. Genuine Christianity is different. You say, well, I don't believe that. Okay, why'd they put them in jail then back in the days? Why'd they execute them? Why did they die martyrs' deaths? Because they were so different and they became almost a thorn in the flesh of the world that the world said, get rid of them. But we've gotten so soft and we've blurred the line so much. We're so gray nowadays that the world's like, they, they, they're just like us. One thing I will say about Islam, man, they're not afraid to be different. They're not. They put Christians to shame nowadays. So why? Somebody help me. Why, does the, why are we always wanting the world's approval on the way we live? Why? Why? I've been asking that question for years and never got a good solid answer. Well, I, well they might make fun of me. Oh. Oh, oh, come on now. We live in a crazy world now. Let's not be afraid to be different, okay? So what, drew, what brought you to Christianity, okay? So Jesus says here, I have, I have all power, and you are to observe all things. That's what he says. So just real quickly now, just a few of you, okay? I, I started searching for it because I had an emptiness in my heart. I had wonderful parents. I grew up in a good moral home. My parents were very strict disciplinarians, loving parents, but we did not grow up in a Christian home. We just didn't. I mean, mom and dad, we had Bibles in our house, but we, did, we weren't a Christian family, but we were a good family. We were old school. My dad, you all know the story. We all got, I got me and my brother and sister got saved. Mom and dad got dedicated, and then the rest is history. The Lord just did a work in our whole family's life. My brother's a pastor now. My sister's faithful. You know, the Lord, is, praise the Lord for all that, right? But those of you, what, what, what drew you in? What, what made you say, I want, and I know many of you are blessed to have a testament like my wife, so maybe you, your answer is similar to that, but what, what, somebody give me something. What is it, Miss Paulette? Unconditional love. Thank you. Missy? A, cha- a change in how you were raised versus how you're going to raise your children. Boy, that's a big one. You saw a Christian home, and you said, I want that. That's a very common one. That's a powerful one. Yes, sir. Literally, you feel like you're bound by change. You're going to repeat the cycle, and you broke the cycle. Amen. That's a very common one, too. Yes. Yes, Brother Chris. A search for truth. Boy, I love that one. Because the truth apologizes to no man. That's very good. Eric? truth that's right that's good Eric yes Nicole amen you didn't want to experience what the world is like 
And sometimes it's good to have the preachers that got saved out of the world come and tell you about it. That's good, Nicole. Mrs. Elliott, thank you, Nicole. True love. So go, love is a big, love, two times we've heard love. And we'll get to that in a second. Mrs. Coons? That's a big one. I didn't want to go to hell. Very big starting point. How many of you got saved because that was a big point? You know, I don't want to go to hell, right? And there's nothing wrong with saying that, right? That's, that, that's why God talked about hell in the Bible. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, very good. Okay, thank you, Daryl. So tonight, I want us to look at that. The, the title of the message is The Use of It. The Use of It, right? We live in a world of marketing. Marketing. Everybody's marketing. Right now, I mean, it's constant. Even on social media, my goodness, we all know if we just say, if we just say something, say a product and our, and our phone hears it, the next day we're going to see advertisements on that product on our phone. I mean, everybody's listening to us. And my, my daughter, Claire, is hilarious. Uh, at Christmas time, we were listening to Christmas music through Alexa or something. My daughter, if, if we start talking about spiritual things or conspiracy things as a family, my daughter will unplug Alexa to make sure she's not listening to us. My daughter Claire is pretty strict about that. All right, But what we know, marketing, we're constantly marketing, marketing, marketing. Now, don't watch this. Christianity is not to be marketed. It's not. We're not in the marketing business, all right? Sadly, Christianity as a whole has become marketing. A lot of people are marketing their church, marketing their brand, and marketing their philosophies when really when it's all said and done, as Christians today, we have one huge goal, and that is to get people closer to Jesus Christ as we strive to get closer to Jesus Christ. And the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to Jesus Christ, the less appeal we'll have with the world. Uh, many times I tell teenagers, I preach all summer long to the teenagers, by the way, I'm not going to say things to teenagers at camp, I'm not going to say to my own teenagers here, as I preach at camps and conferences all summer long, I tell teenagers regularly that the reason why you're so obsessed with the world and its style and its fashions is because you've gone far away from Jesus Christ. Can I just say I'm thankful our volleyball girls look different than the way the world dresses their volleyball players. Can I get an amen right there? I mean, I cannot believe how the world allows these young girls to dress up in the volleyball world. I mean, what dad in the right mind would allow that? Can I still say that in 2023? Come on now. I mean, they're wearing bathing suits. I mean, they look like they can go to the beach. It's, it's insanity. And people think, oh, you're being judgmental by saying that. Are you kidding me? In this sick, demented world where yesterday it was announced that an elementary school in Oklahoma hired a drag queen as their principal. We're not even talking about middle school or high school. An elementary school in the heartland of America, Oklahoma, which was voted the number one most conservative state in America in 2016. By the way, Missouri was number two. Oklahoma was number one based on the 2016 elections. But they hired a drag queen to be the principal of an elementary school in the state of Oklahoma right now. How do we get to that point? It's not the world's fault. It's Christians. So when Jesus says, observe the things that I have commanded you, you and I have got to live in such a way that we're different. Now, the difference does not define us. Christ does. But in our relationship to Christ, the closer we get to him, you will notice a difference in the way we live. So let me give you three quick things tonight, and then we're going to have five to ten minutes of a brief group discussions where you all can add to this list of three things that I'm going to give you. Number one, the life we live. The life of a Christian is different than the life of the world. It just is. And that life is so encompassing of everything. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, all power is given unto me. Did, did you read that promise? Do you cling to that promise? Doesn't it encourage us to know 
that the power of the, the, the most powerful being on this planet is the one that leads our genuine Christianity. What a blessing. Our Savior has earned the right. He officially has all power. It has been given unto him because he earned it, because he became obedient even to the death of the cross, which is why oh, just this past Friday morning, we all had a huge scare as we prayed for Mrs. Bear. Boy, it looked pretty bad, Brother Gary. But miracles took place this weekend. I can't imagine being a part of the world and not being able to go to God and having Christian family and friends come together and pray and to fellowship with each other. And the loss of my dad last May was the most difficult thing our family's ever been through. But boy, what a blessing it was to know the Lord and see how the Lord was so close to us and how real he was. We live different than the world does. How do you know that, Randy? Because I lived in the world for 18 years, and I've not been perfect, but the last 29 years of my life have been different in such a miraculous, better way that I'm unashamed to tell the world I am a born-again Christian. I strive to get closer to Jesus. I fail and I fail. I fall and I fall. But what a blessing it is to get a little bit closer to Jesus, to become a little bit more like him. So that you hear the testimony of two people here. The Stones just said it. They wanted to have a different family than their backgrounds and their experiences was. Why? Because somewhere along the way they saw a Christian family and they recognized they weren't perfect. They didn't have all the answers, but there was something different. Number two, the way a Christian loves. All right, that was mentioned already. Two ladies mentioned, Ms. Paulette and Ms. Zell had already mentioned. Love, the way we love is so different. We heard unconditional love, meaning loving somebody in such a way that they never have to do anything for me again the rest of my life, and I will still love them regardless. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Now, okay, going back to sports as an example. Uh, Brother Jack and Brother Justin, you both dealt a little bit with college recruiters and all that stuff, and I was a heavily recruited football player back in my day. You know what? I, I, these guys, all these recruiters, they call, they write me letters. All they wanted me to do was go to their school to play football, to make their team better, to make their team win. If I got injured, I, where's the next guy? Right? I mean, last Monday night, if you follow the NFL, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, hurt his leg bad enough that he's done for the season. Or they had to cancel the season, right? No, another guy came right and took his spot. He might not be as good as that first guy, but he came in and their team won the game still. You, you see, the way the world teaches love is so pseudo. It's so false. It's imitated. It's not genuine, unconditional love that we only get from God. And God gives us that love, and in the giving of that love and the receiving of it, it challenges us to love our wives and our children and our church members and our families in an unconditional way, in a way that the world looks and says, man, the way you love is different. Why are you being nice to me? Do I have to give you money? Do I have to uh, uh, join your business? Do I have to form a partnership? No, no. We're just being kind to you because that's what Jesus would do. Our life is different. Our love is different. We're not better than anybody. And to think that will ruin the whole picture of being a Christian. However, we are just blessed and we're humbled and we're grateful to be able to say that the God in heaven saved my soul. I deserve to go to hell tonight, but God's been good to me. Wow, he saved me. Wow, he gave me a new life. Wow, he loved me. He's transformed me. And I'm a blessed man for that. 
There's a difference. There's a difference. So number one, the way we live is different. Genuine Christianity is different. And again, if you want to split hairs and debate it, look at Peter's life before he met Jesus and after he met Jesus. Look at Paul's life before he met Jesus and after he met Jesus. Just read the New Testament especially, and you'll see people's lives transformed right before your eyes because of the impact they had in finding genuine Christianity. And they lived it so much so that the Bible says they turned the world upside down. And today's Christianity that's all over the place in this world is sending mixed signals and confusion to the world because the world is saying there's supposed to be something different, but there's no evidence of a difference. What's the first thing God did in Genesis chapter 1? He put a difference between day and night. God's people are always going to be different. God's philosophy is going to be different than the world's philosophies. God's word is going to be different than man's words. God's ways are not even our ways. Our thoughts and our ways are not even going to touch his thoughts and his ways. And we as Christians have the, have the listen, it's a blessing and it's an honor. And, and we should be humbled and grateful that, oh my goodness, I, I, get to be, I get to be a difference maker in this world. And you mean I get to tell this world, hey, come see a man that changed everything about my life. I mean, look at John chapter 4. I know I keep referring to that chapter. The woman at the well, she meets Jesus. And all he does is mention water to her and mention her past briefly. And she makes a profound statement. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And she goes to town. And the town came for one big reason. They saw something different in this woman that they've known for a long time. And they said, something happened. I've got to go see it. So number one, when the life becomes real and the love becomes genuine, it leads to number three. And this is where, this is where I think we lose a lot of, of the potential to reach the world, and that is longevity. Longevity. Genuine Christianity is not just a temporal thing. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a, okay, I'm going to be faithful to church as long as my kids are here because the church is going to help me raise my kids. I'm going to put my kids in a Christian school because a Christian school is going to help me raise my kids. I'm going to do this and that. It's just, it's temporal. We're going to do it because we're going to try to maximize the benefit we get from it. No, no. It becomes our life. And Jesus is saying here, watch this. He says here in, in, the, in the ending of this verse, the last thing he says is this. And lo, I am with who? You. For how long? All the way until what? The end of the world. So if Jesus plans to be with us till the end of the world, we might as well plan to be with him till the end of the world. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but boy, a whole lot of Christians are departing the faith nowadays. A whole lot of Christians are, have been blessed to see that different life, have been blessed to experience that different love, but they're not in it for the long haul. And they're quitting. And that's why it's become difficult to disciple people today because the people that could have discipled two years ago aren't even in church tonight. I'm not, I'm not talking about Bible, but I'm talking about as a whole, all across the country, the world. Christians are quitting. Christians are getting discouraged. Christians are getting defeated. And it goes all the way back to the original statement of, hey, our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more different we're going to be in the eyes of the world. And our testimony should be so much that the world says, wow, 
I want what you have. They should say that by looking at our lives. I want what you have. I know your marriage isn't perfect, but I want a marriage like that. I know your kids aren't perfect, but I want my kids. They want, they see that. And they see what Hollywood is marketing. They see what our government is marketing. And they see all the crazy things happen in society. And people are starting, as already been mentioned two times, Brother Chris and Brother Eric, the search for the truth. And the truth is this. The life is different. The love is different. And the potential for longevity is there. So tonight, church, the use of it. What do I mean by that? The use of the Christian life. To, to literally say, you know, it's like if, if I lost 60 pounds in, in two months, you're going to ask me questions. What are you doing? Are you sick? What pills are you taking? What diet are you on? What workout are you doing? I mean, we just, we just want to know, right? My daughter Claire has been sending us a video lately that says, it's pretty sad in America when eating healthy, God-given foods is considered a diet. <laughs> it's because we eat so much junk food, right? We all know that when we eat healthy food, we feel better. Our energy's better, right? But we still love junk food so much. I think that's the problem with Christianity today. We're so, we're so enamored with the junk Christian, Christianity out there that's man-made, that's man-processed. But God's original Christianity, listen, it doesn't come from a church. It doesn't even come from a, from a school or a college. It comes from a personal, one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you start to have that and experience that, you and I will be different than the world. Period. No debate there. So tonight, the use of it. When the world sees us as we live the use of the Christian life, they should see a different life, a different love, and a different kind of longevity. All right, heads your bad eyes are closed. Thanks for listening so well tonight. My works were unholy. My mind was unclean. The things that I would think and do, I thought it gone unseen. My life was full of guilt and shame, and there was no one else to blame. You knew all of my sin, and yet you called me by my name. And you loved me just the same. You got what you paid for, and you paid for everything. My sins and my failures forgiven by the King. Although I was guilty, you came and set me free. You got what you paid for, and you paid for me. is far from perfect I'm still a servant of the King and all my guilt and failures before you I will bring though at times my feet may stumble and my strength may be so small this one thing I know you paid for it all you got what you paid for sins and my failures forgiven by the king although i was guilty you came and set me free you got what you paid for 
paid for me. Though my debt was great, you paid it all to set this prisoner free. Prisoner and without free. the bloodshed on Calvary, I don't know where I would be. You got what you paid for, and you paid for everything. My sins and my failures forgiven by the King. Although I was guilty, you came and set me free. You got what you paid for, and you paid for. 